Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 192 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest podcast network, and also Fanatics. I don't know quite what to say, but um, <laughs> Liverpool and, and Craig Porson too, Everton nil. Um, all the talk, unfortunately, is has been about the uh, the officiating, which we've you know we've discussed many times over the years, haven't we? That the level of, of officiating in the Premier League, especially towards us, we always feel hard done to, especially when it's your own side. But what was on show at Anfield yesterday was was absolutely appalling. Let let's let's get it right and let's call it what it is. And I think. You know, the fact that um, I think it's a Saudi league, a look at it, try and take Premier League referees over there. The sooner that they come and get them, the better, because it's absolutely appalling the standard of refereeing that we're seeing week in, week out. And, and Pete, it's the only place to start, isn't it, really? Because, you know, we should really be discussing what was a, a resolute effort in defensive performance. Um, and, and I thought overall the performance w- w- was all right. But instead, all the headlines are about Craig Pawson. The officiating, obviously, red card for, for Ashley Young, no booking for, for Canate, no booking for, for Simicas. Where, where do we even start to, to talk about this? No, I was thinking this morning um, how much we hate talking about referees on the podcast. You know, whenever there's a stinker or whenever decisions go against us, we always kind of prefix it with saying, look, let's not try and talk about the referee too much because it, there's just nothing to be gained from it. But like you say, unfortunately, we find ourselves in the position that yesterday was so bad, so embarrassing in terms of you know levels of standard of officiating that it's probably going to dominate the podcast today. I mean, I mess. I messaged the two of you in the morning, kind of half joking, saying, like, I hate the Anfield derby. 
But after the after the game, <laughs> I said to my missus, the reason I hate the Anfield derby is because of how unfair it is. The reason I hate the Anfield derby is because it's never a game of football. You know, you could have written that script. Evertonians could have written that script before the match kicked off. Uh, you know, uh, VAR call that leads to a penalty, uh, dodgy sending off, and then getting away with a, a stone call. A, a, you know, a stonewall second yellow. The, the laughable thing for me is 95% of Evertonians aren't going to even be that surprised at, at that outcome. It, that pattern of officiating has become so normal for us in that particular fixture when it's at Anfield. So, although I don't like to be talking about it today, and I don't like it when it kind of you know it dominates the headlines afterwards, I was really pleased that Sean Dyche just directly came out and said after the game, um, you know. Th- um, the 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 decisions that were made were incredible, unbelievable. You know, Jurgen Klopp himself, you know, came out and, and acknowledged that, um, you, you know, he he felt the decision had gone against Everton, and the way he responded, you know, speaks dividends. So it's just it's incredibly frustrating because we want to be speaking today talking about a game of football and about tactics and about the decisions that were made. But instead, as usual for the Anfield derby, we're talking about a mad refereeing decision that ruined the game and just put Everton in a, a completely untenable position. Well, and I think what you said at the start then about, you can almost write the script for, for an Anfield derby. And and I said exactly the same yesterday. You know, the friend of mine messaged me and, and, and uh, with a screenshot of a bet that he put on. And it was penalties Liverpool, Everton players to be sent off. Both both came through. We've seen it. We've seen it so many times over the years, and we'll we'll go into obviously the the red card for Ashley Young in a minute. But I think that when you go there and and you feel like already you know what's going to happen, it's never ever a good thing, is it? Now we we know we know they're a good side, and we spoke on Friday with, with obviously Paddy Boyle come on the on the show for a, a quick preview on Friday and. We were discussing about when you, when you go there and, and historically how, how poor we've been and, and what our, our, our expectations were. And, um, you know, we thought we, we could certainly nick, nick a draw. And it, it's got to be said, Everton started the game, I thought, well, I mean, best chance of, of the first half by a country man for Dominic Calvert-Lewin in, in the first minutes or so. Great ball across uh, from Dwight McNeil. Calvert-Lewin's got to put it outside of, of, of the goalkeeper in it, and it's one nil early doors. But I think overall... Even in the first half, Everton were fairly resolute. We def- don't get me wrong; we were slightly open at times on the counter three or four times, weren't we? But you know, we, some of those last ditch tackles that we saw from Ashley Young, Onana, terrific! What a tackle that was as well. And the, and the players were putting a putting a real shift in. And I think when you you know let let let's go let's go back to the Ashley Young first booking, shall we? Because that's when all, all the fun all the fun really began. And I think that. When you see that, I think what was it, 17, 18 minutes in, wasn't it? He's flipped his leg out. Um, Diaz, wasn't it? I think at the time is is basically, you know, theatrical, wasn't it? Let, let, let's get it right. And I think if you look at it, the, the contact, the initial contact wasn't really there. He's gone into him, he's gone down. I would argue, personally speaking, that's a dubious booking. Understand why it was given. But as a referee, Lee, if, if you're going to give a booking for that and you're going to set your stall out early in a derby, because let's get it right, these are the kind of games where you do see a bit more physicality in the tackles. If you're going to set your stall out early as a referee, 
and give a bucket for that kind of tackle. That consistency has got to go right through the game, hasn't it? I think that's a fair point, mate. I think over the years, refereeing's changed. The game's changed, hasn't it? It's become a lot softer. Uh, players are arguably a lot more protective. Certainly, you know, from from way back in the nineties, the dogs of warrior, and even before that, it was, you know, you could arguably say it was even harder. The game wasn't it, even in the eighties and the seventies. But yeah, they always used to be the same, didn't it? Especially in a derby, a good referee will let the first few go, or certainly give the player a little. You know, you've had one of them, no more, boy. You know what I mean? That's it. Crack on. And that, was for me, was one of those tackles. It was one of those tackles. Yes, he was late. But, look, Luis Diaz um, knew exactly what he was doing there. He left his leg in and, and waited for the contact. Now, obviously, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending Ashley Young. It was definitely a free kick. But the way he's done it, he's left his leg in and then obviously done, you know, Dare I say it without being stereotypical, South American away. Richarlison used to do a lot for us, didn't he? He used to make sure that the referee gave the foul and ideally the booking with a little bit of histrionics as well. And he knew exactly, like I said, what he was doing. He's rolled the he's left his leg in, he's he's, he's made sure the tackle was an uh, you know, it it was felt, if you like, or made sure the referee saw it, and then obviously did his usual rolling around. And that wasn't the first time in the game, did it? He did it several times in the game as well. And obviously trying to get a penalty against Patterson by doing exact, exactly the same when it was embarrassing, to be honest. It was a dive. That, um, but yeah, going back to my initial point, it was one definitely one of those where it should have been, look, son, that's a warning, don't do it again. And, and that's where Pawson, for me, is, is set the stall out then. Once he's done that, then, you know, the barrier's lowered, isn't it? He then has to give a lot more yellows. Now, in the first half, we had three yellow cards, four if you include two for Young, for four yellows. And, you know, it's a bit lopsided, that. And it, it wasn't even a dirty game, was it? I mean, don't get me wrong, the balls were being contested, but we've seen a lot worse starbies where tackles have flown in. You know what I mean? Some of the tackles we've seen over the years, from both teams, by the way, you know what I mean? Um... Yeah, the famous one I, I remember was it was it was it Gerard on Naismith? Was it on Naismith a double stamp like that? And then I mean yeah. never a red. Don't get me wrong, we've not been in this in I, but we've put some tackles in over the years as well. But yeah, I think he set his stall out there and, and it's 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 arguably as we, we you know, you'll go on and talk about the second yellow and, and it it's 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 kind of destroyed the game really, as a spectacle. Now, you are right, Mike. We did set our stall out. It was clear from the, from the get-go. Dice alluded to it all week, didn't he, how he wanted us to stifle the game, stifle the crowd. Um, not that the crowd needed stifling, by the way, because uh, you know the infamous Anfield uh, atmosphere was, was in full force, wasn't it? After belting out, you'll never walk alone. It, it you know, went into library mode, didn't it, until they, until they get a, got a goal. Um, but yeah, I think for me, we, we for me the tactics. I think he got spot on. Now there's an argument to say I would have played Patterson over Young. We mentioned this, didn't we, in the podcast? But then you could also understand that he's not going to change a winning team. But then, Mike, you raised a great point. I think you put it on Twitter as well, saying Young's been booked early in games, certainly in the first half of, of four games, isn't he? Up until then, Correct. so you know he's he's, he's clearly. Diaz was obviously given a problem. We said this on the podcast on Friday with Paddy. Diaz would cause problems with his pace, his directness. And, you know, do you want a younger foot? I know Patterson is probably better going the other way, but do you want someone who's obviously a bit younger, a bit quicker, 
to sort of like try and deal with him. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it, it, it was it was soft. It was soft for me, and and it should definitely be one of those. But it should have been. You can see why it's given, but at the same time, you can also see the ref should have just given him a little ticking off. And, and and I think as well, what what I would also suggest is when he does get booked, I think I say I think it was about seventeen minutes in, wasn't it? So again, it was early. Um, and like I say, that's the fourth time he's been booked in the first half of a game against Brentford. He was booked in the first minute, by the way. Um, but what it does is it puts him under pressure, especially against that kind of quality of opposition. We know Diaz has, has got pace. We know he's got good feet. So it gives him the ideal opportunity to, to keep on going at younger and make him commit. So in my opinion, and, and the question for you, Pete, what would you have liked or would you have thought of the manager at that particular point, Merseyside Derby, as I say, given the quality of the opposition, would you have thought that Sean Dice, even that early, would have gone right off on comes Patterson? I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I think, was it the the, uh, the Bournemouth game where Young picked up a, a yellow early on? And Brentford, played, Brentford, Brentford first, sorry, Brentford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and played and played ninety minutes. So I mean, I, th- I think that probably answers our question really. That you know, Dyche has the confidence in in Ashley Young's experience that he knows how to to manage a game and manage himself on on a yellow card. Of course, the derby's different. You know, hindsight's not always a wonderful thing, is it? You know, now Young's been sent off. People are going to go back and question that decision. I mean, for, for for me, it's it's again about the officiating and just the inconsistency with the decisions. You could argue there's a slight little bit of naivety, maybe, and going back to what we were saying a moment ago, you know, you're not going to get anything in the the Anfield derby. You know, the officials just can't wait to give something in Liverpool's favour. You know, have we made ourselves vulnerable to um, to a bit of a sickening decision there by keeping Ashley Young on on, on the pitch on a yellow? M- maybe. Um, but I don't think it'll help us to to kind of rake over it. No, maybe not. I think I think as I say, just given historically this season, obviously how many times he's been booked so early, it always plays on my mind. Especially given the fact that you know he's not the player he once was. He hasn't got the pace that he once had, um, and and it, it does concern me. And you know, look, looking ahead now, this is the ideal opportunity for Nathan Patterson to come in. Uh, and stake a claim for that for that spot regularly. Uh, obviously, Seamus Coleman's not too far away as well, but Nathan Patterson should be the future of that particular position. Uh, and maybe now that's that, that's what he needs to, to to get his chance. But obviously, he's being booked. He's being booked early, and we then see the frustration yet again. Some more consistency. We then see. I've mentioned it earlier on. Simicast uh, for them three fouls in the first half. One of them. Very, very similar to, to Ashley Young's foul. No yellow card given at all. And this is this is where this is where the, the frustration and the anger comes in. Because we all you know, I, I hate we use the word corruption all the time and I hate it because it shouldn't be a thing. But you understand why it becomes a conversation and why fans are so up in arms at times when you play certain sides. And you know what? We go back to the to the Harry Kane situation against Spurs last year, when you know, as Sean Dyche said, you know, he, he, he broke an eyelash kind of thing, and there was nothing in it. Um, and I guess he was quick quick to give to give that particular that particular guy card to the core, right? 
Um, and certain sides seem to be refereed in, in, in different ways. We, we see it all the time. And me and Lee had a conversation earlier on about, you know, when it comes to the Premier League's final standings, the Premier League do, you know, will do what they can to, to ensure that the same teams are qualifying for Champions League European competition that, that because it's a product. So that, that's when these kind of conversations come up and these kind of words come up. And the, the anger and the frustration leads to these kind of conversations because we're seeing it all the time. We've seen it week in, week out this season, not just for us, other sides, of course. But the consistency just isn't there, is it? You know, when when you you look at the the fact that even if you said to to, to Simicast, well, there's been three fouls, three occasions now. So just on on the fact that you've made three fouls in the first half, accumulation that should be a yellow card. When we see a similar tackle and a similar foul that Aston Young was booked for in the first place after 17 minutes or so, and he's not getting booked. You can understand why us as Everton fans and as football fans are sitting here massively angry and frustrated that we feel that we're getting the rough end of the deal and we're being refereed in a different way. Well, it's, it's the lack of consistency. You just alluded to it there. That That's the big thing, isn't it? It's the lack of consistency. And then, you know, you end up, like you just said there, you end up in, 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 in conspiracy theory territory if you're not careful. And you, you don't want to end up there as a fan base here because... Obviously, you know, you end up sounding sounding like, you know, you, you obviously, you're biased towards your own side. And um, when you look at Paulson's stats, I think I sent it to you guys in, in, in the WhatsApp today. You know, Paulson's stats, um, he's managed 31 games for Everton. Sorry, 31 games for Liverpool. He's refereed 31 games. He hasn't sent off a single player. He's refereed 24 games for Everton and sent off five players, averaging roughly one in five red cards against Everton. You then end up going, well, Liverpool kicked off the biggest fuss you've ever seen because they got done over with VAR against Spurs. Even their own manager coming out saying they demand the game to be replayed, which was ridiculous. I mean, the fact that it stayed in the public consciousness for the for as long as they could do it for you know still people were still talking about it a week later on tv and the press everything you know liverpool uh, you know are, are good at doing that and arguably it gets more headlines when it's a so-called top six side or top four side or whatever you want to call it so for me when you see that you then you then go well you know what it's hard not to be conspiracy theory you know territory because Liverpool kicked off so much. Everybody knew now that they were going to get they were going to get the benefit of the doubt for the following few games. So how the hell and how the hell does Pawson with those sort of stats get get a Merseyside derby? You know what I mean? How does he get to referee Merseyside derby when he's sent off an Everton player one in five, and he's he's refereed thirty one games for Liverpool, not sent off a player. You know what I mean? Because well, then you then start going, okay, then That's like, uh, you know whoever picks that is it Howard Webb or has he got a team that's that have just gone. Well, Liverpool have been done over recently, so we need to even out. You know, I mean, they've kicked off so much, it's, it's actually given us some bad headlines. You know, yes, it was a cock-up. Yes, we've come out and apologised. They've done that with us a couple of times as well, including the Rodri handball and others. And yet, they, you know, they've gone and given Porson the most side derby. It's, don't, it's, don't, don't forget, it's don't forget as well. In, in, sorry, in terms of Craig Porson and historically, he sent Alan off against Newcastle, if you remember. Yeah, was given a massive broken. game. He sent off Phil Jagielka against Wolves when it clearly wasn't a red card away from home. There's history there now, obviously, 
the, the Premier League can't look and say, well, he sent off players for certain clubs in the past, so therefore he, he can't referee this game. But you've got to look at, you know, are, are games too big for certain referees? You know, I'd, I'd ask anyone to name a referee in the current crop that you would say is a good referee. There was always go-to referees over the years, wasn't there? You know, Howard Webb was one. I mean, people could argue, but Howard Webb was what he was. I thought I thought he was he was all right, to, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought, um, I mean, the bad referees over the years, there was there was many, many of them. Um, but even even Ellery back in the day, school teacher, he was always a bit of a go-to referee. Pattenberg um, was up there when he used to get the World Cups, didn't he? Whether you liked him or not. Yeah, yeah. but you know, look, look, what, look what he did. So what's Mark Clattenberg? Mm. Um, uh, Halsey. Mark Halsey, I thought, was a very good referee. Always a bit of a go-to referee. Very, very fair with everybody. You know, so there was always, go, going through sort of, say, the last 20 years or so, you could name referees that you always thought were were good. Now, the so-called top-level referees, the likes of Pawson, the likes of Anthony Taylor, referees like that, they're all horrendous. They're all, you know, the, the decisions that they're making week in, week out, the fact that on, on Sky... That they have, you know, this ref watch every single week, and they're going through whether decisions were right. That tells you everything that you need to know. That shouldn't even be a thing. It it should refereeing nowadays should be a million times easier than it was ten or fifteen years ago because you've got cameras all over the place. You've got VAR. You've got screens. You've got people in your ear. You've got so many people watching the same game and helping you make decisions that it should be easy. But I've said it time and again. What referees do is they relax and they rely too much on the technology and on other people to make decisions for them. Now, that unfortunately is the nature of the beast, but we haven't got strong enough referees now to actually referee a game. So ignore the fact that you've got people in your ear. Ignore the fact you've got cameras everywhere. Referee a game. Take control of a game of football. Convey to the players. Set your stall out so everyone knows where they stand. The characters are not strong enough. And, and, you know, Howard Webb's come in, you know, like a, a knight in shining armour, apparently, to sort all this mess out. And he's done nothing. It's got it's gone worse than, than it was last season, if that's possible. You know, you, you go back to Liverpool against Spurs, you know, what, what was that about? It was just, that's awful. You know, you look at the game with, with us yesterday. There's been so many examples this season where we're seeing decisions that, that are basic, basic decisions being made incorrectly. And it's right. Not and you know what? I've, I've, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't, I'm not normally a rugby fan. I don't really watch much rugby, but I watch a bit of this World Cup. When you see referees, right, at the highest level in rugby, refereeing those games, they're always mic'd up, by the way. You can hear them. You can hear them talking to the players while the play's going on. You know what I mean? Telling them, obviously, like, you know, clear the ruck, whatever, whatever they need to do. Yeah, but you can see, you can see they've got complete control of the game. And even when they need to, they get the captains over, they get players over, they're speaking to you. You can hear what they're saying. The players have got full respect. Okay, look, it's slightly different in football. That's a cultural thing and how referees are spoken to. But the point still remains, isn't it? You know, they've got complete control of the game. You can hear what they're saying. You can hear how they're conversing. They're basically leaders on the pitch themselves and the fact that the players respect them, like I said. So, you know, why on earth, you know, are we in a position where referees, particularly on VAR decisions as well, things like that, or, or sending offs. Why can't we why can't we hear the decision making process? We've said this a million times. Will it come to the game eventually? Howard Howard Webb's alluded to it. You know, Howard Howard Webb has alluded to it, so maybe it will. For me it has to. 
It has to. Referees need to be held accountable. They should be having interviews after the game as well. Why? Why? Why on earth can't they be having interviews after the game to be able to talk to? If he came out and said, "Look, I've seen on a replay since. Um, look, in hindsight, yeah, look, we got that wrong there. Probably was. Okay, look, it doesn't fix the result, but at least then you go, you know what? Fair enough. He's been man enough to come out. He's been honest. He's reviewed it, and we move on. But instead, they don't. You know, these guys, by the way, are getting paid 150 grand, 200 grand a year. You know, I think they're on, they're on massive money. It's not as if they're on, you know, like they used to back in the day when they get a match fee of 50 quid. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's you know, the, the standards needs to be raised. This is the best league in the world. By you know, well, there's an argument to say technically is it, but it's certainly the biggest league in the world in terms of revenue. You know, what I mean, obviously the Serie A of its day it used to be back in the day. And why haven't we got the best referees referee in here? Why have we not got the best referees? I mean, some of our refs are being sent over to, to Saudi to, to ref over there. How, how is that even being allowed to happen as well when, when we've got clubs in this country owned by the very same people? It's, 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 it's a shambles, mate. And look, you don't want to go on about it because ultimately, when you boil down to it, the lads put in a, you know, a solid, they battled, they put in a solid performance. There was clearly a, you know, a setup, there was a pre-game plan and then that's, everything was thrown out the window after the 37th minute or whenever it was he was sent off. We don't want to go on about it, but but we will do. But but like you say, I mean, the second yellow card was a yellow card. I've got I've got I've got no issue with that. And okay, we're we're, we're down to ten men. Um, and one thing that I, that I that I want to pick up. Obviously, we're going to have to go through the the fact that um, a certain player what didn't receive a second yellow card, and obviously there was a penalty, etc., etc. But the start of the second half, half Pete, obviously the minds have changed, it doesn't he? The minds then thinks, okay, we're down to ten men. Big second half coming up. We t- he takes off Jack Harrison, Dwight McNeil, uh, brings on Michael Keane and, and Nathan Patterson. We go five at the back. Were you surprised to see that so early in terms of not so much shutting up shop? Because I, I can see that. I-, I get it. And we had this conversation, me and Lee, yesterday. And, and I- I'm more in the camp of I do get it. Because, again, given who we were playing... Uh, given the fact we're down to ten men, if you wait too long and and you wait for the for the pressure to come on even more in the same formation, then you, you're going to get beat probably three four nil. But were you surprised to see him make those changes? I, I was surprised because for me, Harrison and McNeil were probably our in the first half our two kind of uh, brightest players, and th- they were really the only players who were helping us get higher up the pitch. I think we really struggled to make it stick in the first half. And I think you could see some of the players were struggling a bit with the pace of the game. We were a bit nervy. Um, we didn't quite get our foot on it, but they were the two that were kind of driving out, really. Um, you know, but both Garner and Anana were having to to sit a lot tighter. Um, and even Decore, I think it, you know, it was it was widely highlighted, wasn't it? Dyche had to really encourage him to try and get closer to Calvert Lewin. So we were finding it hard to get out. So the fact he took them both off, uh, for, you know, uh, for Patson and, and Keane, I did I did find it surprising. And my honest initial reaction was like, this is suicide. It's just going to be a case of when and how many, because I think under previous regimes, when Everton have gone to a back five, nine times out of 10, you, you know what you're going to get, which is we, we just really struggle to get up the pitch. We, we don't have, we've not had the players for a long, long time to to play that system. But I have to say, I, I thought we were absolutely outstanding. I thought the level of organisation and the way we responded was, you know, just a massive credit to the players. And I think 
that's what makes the result and I think the way things went get went against us so sickening really because I thought we were absolutely brilliant um and in, you know until the the VAR call for me you know Liverpool didn't really have a sniff there were a couple of moments where you know we we had to be responsive in the box and you know again some brilliant blocks were made but I thought we were absolutely out, outstanding and I thought we looked relatively comfortable really so you know what came next was a it was a real sucker punch wasn't it I do agree with you there, Pete. Um, I think, I think, I think Dice, I think shown his hand too early there uh, by changing it at the start of the second half. Um, I think I said to you, Mike, if, if say if Dan Juma was playing, for example, on the left instead of McNeil, for example, and you went down to ten, fully understand that then, because then you're thinking, well, Dan Juma he's obviously not going to run the other way for you. He's a bit of a luxury player. That's the reason why he's not starting at the moment anyway, we, from what we can tell. And Harrison and McNeil will give you that, they'll give you that work rate. They will, but, you know, if they, he said, look, lads, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to drop 10 yards in and, and, and uh, you know, drop in and, uh, you know, almost double up against their, uh, their wingers here or, or fill in the spaces. Um, but when we get it, I want you to—I want you, to, one of you at least—to be, you know, to be bombing ahead of Calvert Lewin to try and create some sort of outlet, some sort of threat. By him doing that, basically, just effectively gave us no threat whatsoever. Did it go the other way? Absolutely nothing. From the, as soon as the whistle went, second half, we dropped into that shape, and and he and he's, he's all Calvert Lewin was almost playing in midfield. Yeah, I mean, he effectively saying, look, we're not going to carry any threat. We're going to basically try and see this off for 50, 50, 55 minutes as it nearly was in the end. And I just think, I just think, I, I, I just don't think he should have done that uh, that early. Maybe there's an argument to say if we're defending like the Alamo and is 20 to go, then maybe make those changes. But Harrison, like Harrison and McNeil will, will put a shift in for you. But what they, what they have got, certainly Harrison's got, is they've got pace. Harrison's got pace. You know, if suddenly we win the ball back, uh, you know, sitting in a low block in the second half, then then we do carry some sort of threat going the other way. And I just think, I just felt he didn't need to do that too early for me. Um, it was almost giving them too much respect because this Liverpool team, by the way, I know they went joint top. That, you know, we've seen some good Liverpool sides over the years. I hate to say it, but we have. That that's not a patch on some of the Liverpool sides we've seen, certainly under Jurgen Klopp. You know what I mean? I, I I think they're very fortunate to be top of the league. They're very, you know, they've had some fluky results this year. Um, don't get me wrong, they've played well in patches as well. Of course they have, and they've got you know arguably a better midfield. But I, they're not going to challenge for the title for me. I'd be very surprised if they challenge for the title. Uh, I, I do think City and Arsenal are another league to them. Um, so yeah, so I, I just felt Dice there almost gave them a bit too much respect and. You know, effectively, he just said we're going to sit here now and, and and almost accept the fact we're not going to get a goal and try and see this out for for 50, 50, 55 minutes in the end. I just I don't know what you think, Mike. I just felt he went too soon with his changes. Yeah, I, 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 I did get. I was surprised by the the personnel that were brought on. Um, understood Patterson in in a way prefer guys yeah. to get back into midfield. Yeah. A uh, bit surprised, obviously, with with Keane coming on, but but sort of got it. I think the thing that the big thing was the players that went off. You know, the, the fact that then you you're saying to to Calvert Lewin and then Beto a bit a bit, bit later on. Listen, you've got to thank this task here. You know, and you saw by the way when Beto came on, at what um, he came, he was he was next to Daesh. 
and and literally he, he didn't close down the way that Dice wants him to close down and, and it was a little bit too easy for Liverpool and he absolutely roared at him as if to sort of get in his ear and say, you've got to give us more than that. And that was the thankless task that both him and Calvert-Lewin had because there was nothing around them. There was no one there. So even if, you know, Don wins a flick on or he brings the ball down, there's no one there to bring in. You know, there's, not, there's just nothing. So what, what do you do? So that was a bit surprising, the fact that we went into or put ourselves into a situation where if we got the opportunity to counter or to, you know, even just try and win a free kick uh, higher up the pitch, the players weren't there to do it. And that was that was the only thing I'd say. But it, as I say, it, it was so hard to try and know when to pull the trigger and to go into that kind of mode, given the fact we were down to, to, to 10 men. And obviously there was, there was still a half to go. Um, so it was it was hard for the mind. It, it, it really was. But obviously m- moving things forward, we get to the situation where we obviously Canate gets booked, rightly so. And then we then get to the situation where within within another was it 10 minutes later, should have been booked again. You know, a foul on Beto. I think I think he was he was officially the last man in his own half. He was, he was the last man. And he's it's quite clear, you know, it's a professional foul. Um, and apparently Tarkovsky said the referee said to him that when Tarkovsky was booked. It was because the fact that was he was out of position when he fouled them, so so it, it needed to be a booking. And what was what was Canate? You know, it was just they make up things as they go along. You know, and this is what I mean: where you've got to have referees who are big, strong characters, in, in, and they they can actually lead the game. You know, they they should affect the referees should be able to fade into the background. Let let's get it right. We shouldn't be talking about them. We shouldn't. You know, and it, it's one of those things where we shouldn't have to even know. Or remember the referee's name. It shouldn't matter. It there should be a standard of refereeing, and they should all be capable of doing it. The fact that they just make things up as they go along in terms of the rationale behind decisions makes no sense at all. It was a clear second yellow card. At that point, it was nil-nil, and we, we can't sit here and say we would have gone on and won the game. But it gives us a better chance to go on and get something from the game when you go on. You know, you go to ten v ten, and and you haven't got that disadvantage of that of that extra player. And for the life of me, Pete, I, I could not. I was screaming, absolutely screaming at the television. And I thought, OK, well, when he gave Ashley Young his second booking, he took a little bit of time. And I thought, OK, he'd give himself some thinking time. But apparently, he waved it off within about a second because Sean Dice said he saw, him, he saw him do it and thought, give yourself a little bit of thinking time there. That's what I thought he was doing. He wasn't doing that. Waved it away straight away. No, 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 no. And then that was that. And obviously, we crowded the referee. But I just can't get my head around uh, an apparent professional referee not seeing that for exactly what it was. Well, not only did he wave it off, but by all accounts, apparently he mouthed uh, absolutely no chance. Yeah, yeah. Now, again, it's difficult to know where to start with this because it's a professional foul. It's a professional foul. Not only is it, you know extremely similar to the the booking Tarkovsky picked up it, it, it's a professional foul to stop our player making a counter-attack that it, that's a yellow card in you know every single referee's book from you know grassroots and, and, and Sunday league through to you know every, every single denomination of, of of the football league and that's why it's so astounding you know like like Lee was saying a moment ago it's meant to be the best Supposedly, the best league, the most competitive league in um, 
you know, in, in the world. So how we can have such a tremendous mistake, you know, such a flagrant mistake on such a, you know, a, a basic, basic decision is, is beyond me. And I, I'll say it now, if that was Tarkovsky, we would have been down to nine men. Ab- absolutely no question. I, I try not to be one of these fans that, you know, goes on about there being like, you know, a vendetta against Everton and, you know, things being fixed. But I, I tell you what, it, it's hard not to think like that. And it's, it's, it's even harder to have a defence against those views when you see things like that yesterday because... I have not been able to find one person who thinks that that wasn't a second yellow card. Liverpool fans included, everybody acknowledges it was an absolute howler. And I don't understand how a professional referee, a professional referee has made that decision. And then the only way of explaining it is, well, there's obviously some kind of bias. There's some kind of bias that's played out that stopped him from doing his job correctly. And I think this is why I hate talking about referees to this extent, because you're absolutely powerless to do anything about it. And I have no faith at all in, you know, the the Premier League or the FA to actually do anything meaningful in response to this. I mean, there was a time, I think, you know, only going back about 10 years, where referees would be visibly demoted after a decision like this. And it would be acknowledged, you know, you'd hear commentators talking about it, you know, so-and-so's at five games in the championship following the decision that was made in whatever game. I'm not saying that we need to kind of, you know, hold referees up and shame them. But I think fans and professionals need to see that, you know, things like that aren't tolerated because, you know, Ashley Young's going to serve a suspension now. Where's, you know, where's the, the, the equivalent? Where's the mirror for referees that don't do the jobs properly? You know, Last last season, there were a couple of these that went against us where, you know, we got into conversations around look, the reality of this is it it could cost us our place in the league. Um, you know, I think given how well we've played and how well we played yesterday, we're not maybe engaging in that line of thinking at the moment. But you can understand why people are tearing their hair out and you can understand why people are furious because it, it's a disgraceful decision. There's no other way of putting it. And like you said, Mike, you know, he, not only could he have bought himself time, but he could have changed his mind. He could have made a different decision. So it was like he was set out to take a particular position toward Everton. Um, and the stat, you know, Lee mentioned earlier around what five players sent off in, what is it, 24, 25 games, something like that. I, I mean, again, it's it, it's hard to not start reaching for conspiracy theories, isn't it? The you know the 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 data is there for everyone to see, and what happened yesterday is there for everyone to see. It's a professional foul. It is it's a yellow card every day of the week. So I I just don't get it. Um, but like we said at the start of the podcast, unfortunately, this is a story. This is a script that Evertonians are just really used to now when it comes to playing at Anfield. It's never a fair game. It's never a fair game of football. You know that you you know you you're up against the, the sky vendetta. You're up against the officials, and you know you're up against the the, the kind of the, the favourites of the you know the, the the Premier League. So if Everton get anything from a a derby at Anfield, it, it takes a miracle, and it takes Everton to be at their absolute best and to get more than a, a, a you know a stroke of luck, but. It's it's going to be really hard for the players, I think, to move forward after 
um, after the, you know the way that they've been treated by by the referee. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. I think I think you're right there, Pete, and you, you can hear hear it in your voice how frustrated you are speaking on behalf. Of, I think the vast majority of Everton fans there, um, you know, those stats like you said say it all. It gets to the point where it's almost apathy now. Where you just go, you know what? You kind of expecting it. So, and I said to you before, Mike, didn't I? Whether we like it or not, the biggest revenue for clubs in football used to be gate receipts. Nowhere near now. It's TV, it's TV money. TV money, whether we like it or not, the Premier League or our game, if you want to call it that, is essentially a TV show now, whether we like it or not. So it's made for a TV audience. And that's where the biggest revenues come from. That's where clubs obviously get vast amounts of money. Uh, the difference between that and the championship is phenomenal. Um, I was with a Leeds fan earlier this morning and he, they obviously they got relegated last year and some of the things he said to me go, you know what, I'm actually preferring the football in the championship. I'm actually preferring it. Having no VAR for a start is, is actually great. You can actually celebrate goals without having to, you know, wait until it gets overturned or wait five minutes for the, while they analyse it because it's a hairline offside or something like that. So, you know, I, I, whether we like it or not, like I said, it's it's a TV show. The way Sky dramatise it, the way BT drama, TNT, as they know now, dramatise it. You know, you saw a couple of shots from Liverpool players in the first half, went over the bar. You know, you, you think Maradona would dribble past five players and dink it over the keeper at the crossbar. You know what I mean? That, that, like, was, uh, that was uh, me nuts, by the oh, way. Oh, mate. Was two or yards over the bar. There was twice. There was Sobersly, I think, and Alexander-Arnold. I know. And both Ali McCoyston and Darren Fletcher. Nearly wet themselves, and it was just like, what, what do you, you know, if that's under the bar, Pickford's right underneath it. So just calm yourselves down. I just, I mean, th- there was more atmosphere on the moon than there was at Anfield yesterday. It was an absolute yeah. library. Um, it's a shame that us, as as you know, Evertonians and and obviously Everton playing yesterday, we couldn't make the most of that. And and I think that it's um, it's 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 the way football's gone in terms of now. With with the you know even commentary teams and and things like that in terms of who they employ, you know we look at Sky with obviously Neville and Carragher and people like that who, who are commentating on their own teams and it's always ex players from within certain teams and it's just the, the whole thing just stinks to me and and it's it's obviously it's 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 still quite emotive now given what happened yesterday and and it's frustrating and and things like that but. The, the way, like you say, people, you know, sides who are in the championship and I think it was um, Sheffield United fans, I've spoken to to one or two of them and they said they, they can't stand the Premier League. They just can't stand it. Obviously, a money perspective, owners, 
you know, they, they, they want to be in the Premier League from a money perspective. But in terms of the, the, the fan experience at times, with, with what's happened with VAR, with what happens with the with the shock and officiating, with with the way that that you know the, the the brand is the brand, and you know it's 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 run by sort of six clubs, it it, it really grates, and it, it gets to the point where you know you, you get inside coming up, you say they want to go back down, they, they, they enjoy going to the game, not having VAR, not worrying about you know celebrating a goal in case it gets ruled out and things like that. They got to take a, a long hard look at themselves. The Premier League, I've got to be honest, from from a, a whole product product level, you know, from top to bottom. Because for me, it's all well and good, you know, making all this money and things like that. But for me, the product is massively flawed. And what you're doing is you you you're alienating your your fans who've been there since 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 day one. And and it's it, it's horrible. It's horrible. And I know you know we can sit here and, and say, oh it's because we were on the wrong end of a decision. And I know all fans go through it. But some fans go through it a lot more than others, believe me, in terms of decisions that, that don't go in your favour. And it's um yeah, it's 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 hard. Well, my, to... my, 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 sorry to interject there. We basically live, whether we like it or not, in a capitalist society. And the Premier League is an example of that. It's an example of it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a money making product. You know, at the end of the day, it's better for them if certain teams with certain, you know, certain like you know revenue or certain whatever following, or in City's case, certain you know money. For example, they won five out of the last six Premier Leagues. The Premier League and the the Champions League that goes with it as well, and it is a product. It's all about money. It's all about money. You know, at the end of the day, they want the big teams in the Champions League, whether we like it or not. They've even come out and said, and even said, you know, even if you don't finish in the top four, if you've got a coefficient, though, guys, you can still get in. Well that, well, that tells you everything you need to know. That tells you everything you need to know. Saying, well, we still want those teams in because it's better for our product because they're in it every year. And we, we need them to be in it every year because then more people watch it. And if more people watch it, that's good for our sponsors. And that's good for, our, you know, that's then good for revenue because then, you know, the bigger teams are in it or the so-called bigger teams are in it. So whether you like it or not, it's guaranteed that that is definitely a factor that's taken into consideration. You know what I mean? They want, they don't want a plucky Leicester to, okay, it becomes a story. Don't get me wrong, it becomes a Roy of the Rovers story and Sky ran with it. But they don't want Leicester winning the league. Of course they don't, every season. You know what I mean? They want these teams with the so-called better players on big wages and everything else playing in the Champions League and, and, and playing in, obviously, in, in, you know, upper ends of the Premier League, whether we like it or not. And, you know, a lot of these decisions, as a result, tend to go against teams who aren't in that bracket. And it happens on more than one occasion. We've been a victim of it several times, and we were we were the victim of it again yesterday. And you know that that second yellow, like you said, with Canate, is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's not even it's not even close to being an an non red card. Even even Klopp himself took the player off, and then said in his post match, "Yeah, we were lucky there." And that's Klopp saying that he's arguably one of the most biased managers in the league. But the, the silence is deafening, isn't it? The, the silence from from the FA. Um, you know, from from the referees' organisation is is deafening. Why not come out after a game like that when such a decision's been made, and, and make a comment on it? You know, and it, it goes back to what you're saying there, Lee. It's, it's either it's bias or it's corruption, or, or you know, or potentially both. But if there's not a response from the game to say, you know, a, a, a mistake was made and it shouldn't have happened, and this is what's going to happen as a result, I'm not saying it makes it okay. 
but it gives you a little bit of faith in in the process, doesn't it? It gives you a little bit of faith in professional football in the Premier League as as a game, as a sport. Because if you don't have that, you, you're right. It's it's a script, isn't it? it, it and it's it, it's a script that powerful people and powerful corporations want the rest of football to follow. And th- this is why people fall out of love with football. Why they are falling out of love with football is it's not it's not. You know, it's loads of people now, the amount of people that come out now and say, I'd rather watch teams like you said, Mike, in the Championship or League One or League Two or even non-league than watch a Premier League side. And that's sad. That's sad because ultimately we will lose our game. You know, decision, more and more decisions like this, in the end, fans will just walk away and go, what is even the point in watching football matches when we know we know what the outcome is going to be or we know it's kind of semi-preordained with regards to decisions. You know, you could, you could draw up a list as long as you want over the years. You know, Sigerson sitting down against United. Oh, he's offside interfering with the view line. You know, like we said, Rodri handball last year that effectively won them the league. You know what I mean? So I've said it a million times. The best moment in football for Sky TV was the Aguero goal. That for them was Hollywood. Hollywood. That they couldn't it couldn't have it couldn't have happened any better for them with you know beating their rivals and win the league in that manner. Ever since then, and even before then. They've tried to engineer that type of moment every single time. All the games are now moved to a Sunday for Sky on the final day of the season. Relegation, European places, you know, um, the league, league title. And they're switching between games like it's literally some sort of Hollywood movie. Trying to hope, hope that, you know, an Aguero moment happens or anything like that. Just so they can... And, you know, even the pundits you mentioned before, you know, I like some of the pundits and they give us good views on the game. and things. But even them are becoming minor celebrities now. You know what I mean? Half of them are setting up podcasts and everything else and talking about on top of that. And and don't get me wrong, some of them are in, interesting and entertaining. We see a different side of them, a different side of the game. But, you know, it, it's... What, what has the game become? What has it become? It, it's just, Like you said there, Pete, will this get talked about? No. No. No, not at all. Maybe get mentioned on Monday Night Football because Carragher might mention it. Maybe Neville will throw his oar in a little bit, but it, it, maybe it'll get 20, 30 seconds. I don't know. Well, but I think from Everton's perspective, Everton needs to keep on banging the drum. The way Liverpool went on about it the other week against Tottenham, like you say, they went on for days and weeks and what have you. And what happens is then it gets into the minds of of the, the Premier League referees. If that's what we need to do, by the way, to, to try and level the playing field, then just go and do it. Just keep on going on. Letters of apology mean absolutely nothing. It doesn't get you any kind of punch back. It doesn't win you any kind of favour if you, if you don't go on about it. So just go on about it. Just mention every single every single occasion that you can in the press comments before the West Ham game. Mention it again. Come out with interviews this week. Mention it again. You know you got you got Jordan Pickford after the game. No surprise in terms of us, you know, not getting decisions. It shouldn't be like that. The, the players shouldn't have to think like that. It should be as level as it, can, as it can be. And you should go in there as a player, as a fan, as a manager, thinking it's going to be totally fair when it comes to the officiating. Because listen, they shouldn't be getting things wrong with all the technology that they've got, but they do. And this is why it was better when you allow for some some kind of um, people just people being human and making mistakes in human error when there was no technology. At least then you, you could justify certain things. You can't justify it anymore. You just can't justify it. And, you know, even, you know, Sean Dice mentioned about the penalty. It was a penalty for me in the laws of the game, whether you agree with it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a penalty. penalty. There's no arguments, you know, no, no arguments. I'm not going to sit here and slate Michael Keane either. He's getting a bad, a bad rap on, on lines of this already. Listen, it happens. You know, it wasn't too far from him. 
it, it's difficult sometimes to try and suck your arm and when you when you are running. I, I get all that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and sleep here. It's a penalty. Like Sean Dyche says, though. It's a flawed rule, by the way. It's not, it is, yeah. yeah. To me, it, it, it needs to go back to deliberate handball. I, mean, I don't know where how football seems to have lost its way there, by the way. But, I mean, at least it's better than what it was before. Right? A player could almost flick the ball up against your arm when you're standing next to him as a pen. But it's yeah, still flawed. a flawed rule. still a flawed rule. Yeah. Well, you've, seen, you've seen Van Dyke is it this season against Brighton. Exactly the same situation. Arm was out as far as Keynes. No penalty. So it's again, where's the consistency? But anyway, it was a penalty. But like Sean Dice says, why are you wasting you know minutes for the referee to be referred to the screen when it's obviously a penalty? Get on with the game, take the penalty. It's it's killing the momentum straight away. Just get on with it. It's an obvious decision. Why why are we are we being referred to the screen for someone who's looked at it 47 times? Just get on with the game. Just give the penalty. As a referee, make the decision. It's blatantly on ball. Just give the decision. And if, you know, you know, if you get it wrong, your mates in the in the ear should say, "Listen, that one's wrong." Yeah. Go look at the screen. Go, going obvious. back to that point, by the way, quickly on that point, I think you said this to me yesterday, mate. You know they don't review second yellow cards, do they, for VAR? Because no. no. you know, yellow cards aren't reviewed. I think genuinely, if it, if it, if it's a, if a player's already on a yellow, like Canate was, why can't the guy in the studio who can see it straight away? While he's giving the free kick and or, or why can't he just literally be in his ear straight away and go, yeah, that's by the way, that's a second yellow. You need to send him off, right? Why can't why can't we? You know, we don't even have to refer it to a screen. You don't have to stop the game and all that and look at it from fifteen different angles. Why can't he just while you know because the game will stop for at least thirty seconds anyway, anyway to take the free kick. Why can't he literally say to the referee straight away because there's a second yellow there and go, mate, you've, you've got that one wrong. He was in. He was actually potentially last man there, second yellow. Cynical foul, and then he can then literally go over to him and go. And then if the players come and kick off and go point to his earpiece and go, "Yeah, we've had it checked. It's definitely a second yellow, boys." Sorry, get you know I mean? Literally, why can't they do that? I don't understand. I mean, it's... I think I think what what the what the ruling is and the way that they do it is the referee on the field has the final decision. So it's not a case of of them in the studio saying, "Right, we think this," so you've got to give this decision. It's a besides obviously the, the offside, which is meant to be. Um, clear as day, but it's not. But in terms of obviously files, buttons, things like that, the, the referee on the field should be the one with the final say, which is fine. But then why have technology? For me, all on. Yeah, but it's stupid. It's stupid. I mean, look, I understand what you're saying. You don't want over analysis. You don't want to review every single foul. But the point is, when it when someone's on a yellow, when they're on a yellow, and it can affect the, the you know the outcome of a game, that could take someone in the in in, in the van or whatever they are, Stockley Park. Literally less than thirty seconds to go, mate. You got that wrong there. It's actually a second yellow. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? The way you, you, I understand, they want the ref to have more of a say on the pitch. But when it affects the game as much as that, I'm not saying if it's someone for a first yellow or anything like that, because then you are, you know, it's, it's over analysis. But when it affect, when it can affect the game, why shouldn't that be someone in his ear saying, "Look, you got that wrong." Mm. Oh yeah, no. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm not against it at all, but. You know, it's always we we ask these questions when things go wrong against against us, and I just think it needs to be totally stripped back. It needs to just start again because it's whatever they're doing and whatever changes have been made by Howard Webb and etc. etc. It needs to just start again. You know, let, let's get people in who can officiate. Let's get people in, like I said earlier on, who are strong characters. Who the referee should be respected, of course. Got to earn that respect at this moment in time. The players don't respect the officials on the, on the field. The fans certainly don't. And it's of their own doing, unfortunately. Um, but 
And Mike, you made a good point there, by the way. It'd be interesting what you think, Pete, as well on this. We're frustrated, clearly frustrated as fans, right? Everyone, in the, everyone who was an Evertonian was clearly frustrated yesterday. If we're frustrated, how are the players going to feel? Like we've all played footy at whatever levels, things like that. You all know when a referee's had a howler or something like that. You know what I mean? Of course, you, as a player, I'm trying to think. If I'm an Everton player, there, you know, Pickford's come out and said how he feels. Good, good on him. Players shouldn't be players shouldn't be sensitised anyway. Why shouldn't they be able to say what they feel without repercussions in a way? Anyway, obviously, if you overstep the mark, don't get me wrong. But players, you know, why are we sanitising it? Players should be able to say what they feel, like Jordan has there. You know what I mean? Dice, Dice for me could have come out there easy and said, this is getting beyond a joke, this now. This is happening far too often. You know, and then should be able to say what he thinks without repercussion. Obviously, you know, everything is, is you know, they're shut down because of, you know, fear of a fine or anything like that. So, for me, if I'm a player in that changing room there, I'm sitting there going, you know, blowing my cheeks out going, it's happened again. You know what I mean? It's happened again. I'm not saying, obviously, Liverpool didn't deserve to win overall. With the way the game panned out, you'd probably make an argument to say they did. But to lose a game like that, if I'm a player sitting in the change room there, I'm just sitting, you know, especially if you're a James Garner or Onana or, you know, Onana, by the way, I thought was brilliant at times yesterday. Superb. I thought, you know, on a positive note, I thought Branthwaite, again, acquitted himself brilliantly uh, at Anfield. thought he was one of the best players on the pitch. I thought Mikolenko against Salah again had had a good game against Salah again. I, I can very rarely think of a time where Salah's had, a, had the better of him. And, OK, look, Salah's come away with two goals, but they, they were certainly weren't Mikolenko's fault. Um, so I'd be sitting there like a Mikolenko, you know, like a, a midfielder there, you know, where they've run God knows how many K there in that match. And then thinking, got nothing to show for it because the referee's condors. Yeah, of course, and and the players are going to are going to feel that. You know, as you say, there was a few standout performances yesterday. Um, as a collective, the players put a real shift in. Um, but you know, in the end of the day, we come away with a two 0 defeat. Obviously, the second goal on the counter very very late on. Uh, by the way, it should have been ten minutes of stoppage time according to the commentary, and then all of a sudden he changed it to nine. <laughs> no, no questions asked yet again. What but, did he say there? Fletch, Fletch didn't he? he? Said, "Oh, we got ten minutes, and oh, they've taken a minute off." Like it's normal, like it's normal, you know. But this is what never what, seen what, what that before. Ever. No, never seen no. that before. It, and and by the way, nine doesn't sound like ten, so you can't even say, "Oh, we're missing him here." You know, it's it, it's just it's just baffling. But that, that, that's that's the Premier League that, that we're that we're currently dealing with, and the officials that we're currently dealing with. Um, but you know, let's I mean let, let's look ahead if we can. Let's say try and put that game to bed. It's it's hard to. Um, I don't think the club should do. I think the club should certainly keep on banging that drum and be be knocking on the on the, uh, the those in charge of the officials in the Premier League door to 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 basically say you know what what's going on. What, what are we doing about it? Because change change has got to come because it, it was appalling. But looking ahead, obviously another away game next weekend against West Ham United. Um, obviously since we last played them, success in Europe. Um, David Moyes obviously still in charge there. Haven't had a bad start of the season. Um, always, I mean, we've gone there, haven't we? We've gone there and, and done okay at times. But our last experience of, of West Ham away was was the uh, the final game of, of Frank Lampard's tenure, wasn't it? A really, really poor performance. But given the performance against Liverpool, Peter, and obviously the, the resilience that we that we showed. Um, 
do you, do you go to West Ham with with a bit of confidence from from that game, and also I'd say our, our improved away form on the whole as well. I I think so, but I think it's a bit like Lee said there. It's it's how the players respond, um, you know, and I'm sure plenty of work will be be going on behind the scenes to help the players bounce back in the right way with the right kind of attitude. But look, if if we play the way we played against Liverpool. With, with or without 10 men, um, you know, away from home for the rest of the season, we'll be absolutely fine. Because, I, you know, bar a few slightly bumpy moments in the first half where you know, the pace of the game got away from us a little bit and we, we found it hard to, to string some attacking play together. I, I thought on the whole we were really, really impressive yesterday, particularly the way we played as a team. Um, and I, I think the, the midfield pairing or the midfield three if you like, is is interested at the moment. We seem to be getting the best out of Anana, Garner and Decore. Um, and look, it's not bad having the experience of Idrissa Garner Gay on the bench, is it, to to come out into that team. So I think we're starting to see the crystallisation of a, a Sean Dice team, aren't we? Um, and I know, at the, you know, at the start of the season on this podcast, we were kind of talking a little bit about when are we going to see that? When are we going to start to see kind of like his system and when are we going to know what to expect kind of week in and week out? There's been, I guess, a period of some inconsistency, um, both due, you know, due to Calvert-Lewin's fitness and and beyond that as well. But he seems to have, have settled now on on the group of players that he seems to have the most confidence in. And I think it, it's less usual now for him to, to tinker with the lineup. So I'm hopeful that, it will be another um, disciplined performance and hopefully we'll be able to get something from the game. But I think West Ham now, like us, I think have crystallised a little bit under, under David Moyes. Uh, obviously, I know Declan Rice has gone to Arsenal, but they seem to have spent that money well um, and they seem to have a you know a really organised, competitive unit. So it won't be an easy game. And, I, you know, I, I know we've always got a strange relationship with with David Moyes not just because of his time with us but I think there's been a probably about three times since he's left where he it, it looks like he you know he may well have come back so in in a way he's both a, a former manager and also an example of what we we could have had as well which is quite strange but he, he seems to have made West Ham click and been given time there and um, they seem to be on the up and you think as well, I mean, is it a simple case as well, given the, the Ashley Young suspension? Is it a case now of just saying, right, Nathan Patterson in, right back, um, and we stick with the same the same formation and the same personnel as we saw at Liverpool? Or do we, do we see, well, you know, we had this discussion on Friday about Patterson. Is he a better wing-back than full-back? Um, do you throw James Garner back at right back? What do you think he's going to do there? Because for me personally, I think this is now the ideal time for for Patterson to, to now stake a claim as as our our first choice right back. Yeah, I agree. You've you've got to you've got to, and not not just for for Patterson, but I think for James Garner, I think he's been so impressive um, in that centre midfield role, and I think you really get the best out of him there. So I'm I'm hoping that Sean Dyche sticks with that kind of midfield three. Um, and gives Patterson a, a, a chance at right back. And, you know, like like you and Lee said, it could be an opportunity for him to step up. Um, and, hope you know, hopefully with a little bit less pressure as well than, than playing at home. That, yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly that. Uh, before, obviously, we do get back to Goodison Park uh, for, for a Carabao Cup game. Um, 
But Lee, difficult, isn't it? West Ham, really difficult. It's a strange ground for one. You know, the fact that you're about 300 yards away from the centre circle is always, always not great. And it's almost like bleachy seats get, get uh, pulled out. It's, it's a, obviously, it's an athletic stadium. Um, so it's, it's, it's a real strange place for me in terms of a modern, a modern football ground. But we haven't really performed there in, in recent years. As I say, the, the bad memories of, of last season, given the fact that it was Frank Lampard's last game as manager, um, it was the last time I think Farhad Mashir was potentially seen at a football match, if, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, when he was getting chased by Sky Sports after the game. Um, do you go there with, with, with a bit of confidence, as I said, given obviously what we saw against Liverpool and what we've seen recently away from home? It's a tricky one with West Ham because obviously they had a brilliant end to last season, didn't they? They, they were obviously in, at one point potentially in the relegation fight and they managed to get a couple of wins ne- that they needed to get away from it. Um, after the previous season, Moyes had a brilliant season, didn't he, where he got them into European football. They've had a good run, they had a good run in Europe then. They had a, obviously a, a brilliant run in Europe last season. Whether you like it or not, winning the European Conference League, you know, at the end of the day, it's a European trophy, isn't it? Um so, you know, credit to them there. And I'm so happy for Moyes at the time. You know, I think a lot of Everton fans were, some weren't, but I think in the, in the main, people were happy for him. Um, I was looking at their team there, actually. I mean, like Pete said, they sold one of their best players in Declan Wright, got some brilliant money for him. And they've made some very astute signings. By all accounts, Moyes, they, they appointed a new director of football, didn't they? And, and Moyes had fallen out with him in terms of the direction they wanted to go in terms of the players they wanted to sign. You know, Moyes is like, he likes to be in control. Uh, He's shown that when he was at our place. But when I look at the players they've signed, I think Ward-Prowse is a clever signing. You know, he's settled in well there. He's already had quite a few assists already and a goal or two. Um, They've got Alvarez from Ajax, City midfielder, brilliant player, very strong signing. Um, they signed a player that I wanted us to get. I was desperate for it. We know that from previous podcasts, Mohamed Kudis, who hasn't started, managed to get into the starting lineup yet. Um, but I think he'll go on to be a very, very good player, top talent. Um, we almost got him over the line, didn't we? But not quite another one that escaped us. I think it was nearly 11 or 12 million, wasn't it, with Ajax at the time. But if United hadn't paid, you know, 900 million for Anthony, then we'd have, we'd have bloody... Uh, Probably got it, but um, but it, they're starting eleven. Looking at it, there they're about to kick off against Villas. It's a strong team. That it looks a strong team on paper. It looks well balanced as well. I do like their goalkeeper, Mike. I know you're a former keeper yourself. I like Ariola. I've always liked him. I think he's a good keeper. Um, he's obviously keeping. Is it Fabianski, isn't it? Who's been in the team for a, for a while. He's also a decent keeper. But I, th- I like Ariola. And if you look at his stats. He's actually, West Ham actually, as a team, if you look at them from a stats point of view, they should have conceded a lot more goals than they have. Um, their expected goals conceded is right up there. Um, and, you know, they, they, a main reason that they're, they're actually, their defensive numbers are better than they actually look is because of Ariola. Um, and he's, he's made, you know, I think he's made the most saves. Uh, he's, he's prevented the most goals in terms of big chances and things like that as well. So, He's done really well for them, but I look at that team and you look at it in, in the lineup they're playing today, and you know, it, like I said, it's it's really well balanced. They've only lost two games in the last ten fixtures as well, and that's against Liverpool and Man City. Do you know what I mean? So you know they're on a half decent run 
um, in all competitions, that is, by the way. So I, I think I think they'll have a good season this season. I think I think they've, they've signed well. And, and I, we, we have had some good results there over the years. When I look back at more recently, I think of the Baines, you know, what will go down in history is Kevin Sheedy moment with the free kicks, one in either top corner. I think of Lukaku when he scored with his head, a winner, got knocked out practically in the process. Um, I think Dom scored one there, didn't he, for us when we, when we went 1-0, didn't he, when he put it in the bottom corner? Um, that was, that was, a, that was a one-all. That was a one-all draw. Was that we, one-all, we sorry? Yeah, we went there, didn't we, when uh, Bernard and Zuma scored? Um, yes, yeah, uh, sorry, right, yeah. It's, it's more yeah. sort of like the, the recent years where we, yeah. we haven't particularly showed up there. Um, so Jared Bowen, Jared Bowen destroyed us, didn't he, last year? So I think Bowen's a brilliant sign. If, you know, I know a lot of clubs sniffed around and no one took a gamble on him. Moyes obviously did. He's got history of bringing players from that league, and and, and fair play to him. You know, he's paid dividends, and he Bowen's been brilliant for him. Uh, he's a goal threat. He can play through the middle if he needs to. Invariably plays off the right. Zuma, who I liked when he was at Everton, they got that over the line. I think he's a good athletic centre half. You know, so you know Suchek has now been pushed further forward again. You know, he was a goal scoring midfielder when he first signed him. He's now been pushed further forward because. They've got um, uh, Ward Prowse and Paqueta behind him. Paqueta, by the way, is a lovely footballer. Really like him. He, he's a bit of class in there. A real technician. Got a bit of magic in him as well. Can spot a pass. Um, so, you know, that's a good side. When you look at that team on paper there, it looks a very good side, doesn't it? Yeah, I think they are. You know, and, and I think given the fact that they won a European trophy last season, it's, it's got to be applauded. Um, like you say, that, that, that should give them... Real confidence, and, and they have have recruited well. Given the fact that Declan Rice has left the club, uh, they they have spent that money that money wisely, and and they seem to be on on the right path, and certainly a path that we wouldn't, wouldn't mind being on ourselves. That's for sure. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be yeah, it, it, it's a it's a tricky task going there at the best of times. But I think like it's, like a, I alluded to in, in the questions to, to both of you, I think Everton have got to take confidence. You know, given the performance defensively at Anfield, it was solid, given the fact we've been to Brentford and beaten them, you know, and we were comfortable. Um, we obviously, back in the last season, went to Brighton, we always say it, and absolutely destroyed them. Everton have got to, have, got to have, have confidence in in, in how we set up and, and putting in an away performance, and there's no reason why we can't go there and win the game, in my opinion. Um, there's certainly nothing to be fearful of, as, as good a as side as they are, you know, players informed, like likes of Jared Bowen, who's, who's had a, a really solid start of the season, which has seen him obviously be called up by England as well. Um, but obviously, we, we, we would like to, you know, with this, this tricky run that we've got, we would like to pick up points somewhere along the way over the next the next few weeks or so. You know, we've, we've had, obviously, Liverpool as of yesterday. We've got then West Ham to come. Uh, obviously, Brighton then comes to Goodison Park. Palace away, United at home. We've got Newcastle at home coming up shortly as well. We always eat uh, eat playing them, um, so it's going to be it's going to be a, a difficult period for us for us to actually pick up some points. But there's no better place for me than, than to go there and get something off them. And there's no reason why we can't as well before the Carabao Cup game at Goodison Park, which is a real chance for us to move on to to the quarterfinals of a cup competition as well. So Everton have got to take a lot from the Merseyside derby. It's got to galvanise them, as and, and it should do, you know, and, and we can feel hard done by, which we should do, but use that for, you know, as a positive, not a negative, you know. Let, let, let the club 
go to Premier League and, and, and ask the questions, let the manager deal with that side of things as well in public. But as a, as a, as a player base, let's, let's take what we've, what we got from the Merseyside derby in terms of performance and then sign, put it into the, into the next game. Um, but let's sign off if we can. Bit of a long show today, bit of a bit of a rant for about an hour of the of the show. That that's what you know. But as you can understand, it was uh, we're all frustrated, we're all angry, um, and and it was a difficult watch yesterday from a, a, a refereeing perspective. But predictions, if we can, Pete West Ham away. What's your thoughts? Going to go for a hard fought one one draw, but whatever happens, let's hope we're all speaking on the podcast and saying what a great response to what happened in the derby. Lee. Really tricky one for me. Really tricky one to call because, like you've just alluded to, Mike, some of our away performances have been really good this season. Brentford, good side Brentford, particularly at home. They had another good win yesterday, didn't they? Won 3-0. We've gone there and made it look easy, really. Um, The scoreline didn't flatter us at all. Um, So, for me... Say if you, you know, providing there's no obviously you know injuries in the week or anything like that, and we put the same team out, Bar Patterson obviously playing at right back. Um, you know what? I'm going to say two one Everton. I'm going to say two one Everton. I, I West Ham's stats, as I said, you know, don't quite fit in with where they should be, and they've, they've managed to obviously pull some results together. Uh, and it's not all about stats. I know that, of course, it's not. But at the same time, they do tend to sort of even out, and and. Yeah, Villa will be a tough game for them today. Uh, um, so it'll be interesting to see how they perform there. Um, but I, I, I genuinely think we can get a result there. And why, why, why shouldn't we get a result there? By the way, you know what I mean? Because we, as I said, on the whole, we've been we've been pretty good this season away from home in particular. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to say two one on Calvert Lewin brace. And don't forget, West Ham travel to Olympiacos in the week. By the way, so. Sunday, we're playing West Ham. They've got to travel, not not too far, but it's a Thursday night. It's a trip. It interferes. Oh, mate, with the- mate, Greece a good four four hour flight there, isn't it? It is. Um, it is. It's not, you know, it's you know this day and age, you know, they they, they literally travel travel in, in luxury, so it doesn't make a massive difference. But in, as I say, from a preparation perspective, it does because it interferes with your week uh, and you prepare for two different sides. So. Obviously, for us, that, that that hopefully plays into our hands. And you sort the words out of my mouth. I, I, I've got two on Everton. I think we can go there and win the game. Maybe it's just because I, I am, I've am i been galvanised by what I saw at Anfield yesterday. But I, I do think we can go there and cause them some real problems. I really do. I think we've got the players now to do it. Um, and, you know, with the likes of Calvert-Lewin, Harrison, McNeil, Decore, you know, better off the bench. Dan Juma, who I thought looked quite lively when he come on against Liverpool. Another example, by the way, of poor, poor officiating when they should have been pulled back for a free kick. Um, didn't happen, but there we go. So I think, yeah, I think 2-1 Everton. I think we can we can go there and, and win the game. And why not? Why not indeed? Uh, but that's us. That's us for today. Obviously, um, a bit of a frustrating one, of course. Um, I'm sure you can all, all appreciate that. Hopefully, we've discussed the major talking points. There was many of them. Uh, but thanks very much for listening. Like I always say, if you can drop us a... Um, a, a review and, and give give us five stars by all means across across uh, Apple across Spotify that really helps us but we'll be back ourselves next weekend to look back on that West Ham United game hopefully you know it's uh, it's a positive it's a positive performance from the Blues and look ahead to, to the Carabao Cup game against Burnley a few days after that so we will catch you then
The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.